You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Company, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted, it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Hey, thanks for pressing play on this episode of Two and Out. I am just back from Edmonton, where the streak ended at Commonwealth Stadium. The Edmonton Elks beating the Ottawa Red Blacks 30-20. And Sheldon Jones, about six hours past his bedtime, still looking fly, still looking fresh with that cut and that beard. So thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, no problem. Much to the chagrin of a certain Stamps fan, I bet, but... (laughs) That's all right. Thanks for listening, bud. Uh, Darren, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for commenting. Uh, we appreciate it all. Uh, <laughs> week 12 started with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers beating the Montreal Alouettes 47-17, but Sheldon, it was 2017 Winnipeg at halftime. And it's one of those games where the Montreal offense – legitimately did about nothing they they earned a field goal and if it weren't for Zach Caleros and uh, those pick sixes in the first half they wouldn't have had any chance of being anywhere close in this game Cody looked pretty rough some of those balls he threw out there were were pretty rough. I don't know if he's injured or what, but he was under pressure, and uh, he didn't look like the Cody we've seen this season up to this point. Yeah, I know maybe he needs another game to sit. I don't know, but this is just another case of Winnipeg getting off to a terrible start, and the other team that's playing Winnipeg not capitalizing at all. Like, gifted two touchdowns, and... yeah. The wheels fell off right after that. You know, I honestly just look at these stats and it's complete and utter dominance. Uh, Winnipeg had 441 yards of net offense. Montreal, 173. Uh, Winnipeg had the ball for 36 minutes and 24 seconds. (laughs) Winnipeg had five penalties for 45 yards. Montreal... 13 penalties for 142 yards. Yeah. Really, just about nothing went right for them, man. I, I don't know how else to put it. Now, people are talking about Zach. Uh, three interceptions. Uh, I think it's four pick sixes in the last five games. And now... More than he's ever thrown as a bomber, I believe, right? Yeah, it's like, it's pretty wild. Yeah. I, I think he didn't throw a pick six in his first 29 games or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Now, a, a lot are quick to get on X, formerly known as Twitter, and uh, talk down about Zach and just like they're a tough guy or something like that. How are you feeling? I I, I think that's all silly talk. He's, he's the two-time MOP for a reason. Like, he's sure he's had 
a great O-line and great receivers, but he still has to get the ball to those receivers when he's scrambling around. Uh, not like he just forgot to play quarterback. He's just, it's just everything. Like they're, they are getting older on the O-line. The teams are figuring them out. They're, they're shooting themselves in the foot, but they still make the adjustments at half time and they still yeah. win games. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to say other than that. It, it seems ridiculous to me. Like to bed in the beginning, win the game in the second half. Like, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Now, I uh, I don't know what you think about this. Do you, do you think a quarterback can play a little bit more free and take a little bit more chances if he feels that his defense will back him up or he knows that he's going to have more opportunities to get that ball back later in the game. Sometimes I feel that's what happens a little bit with Zach. 100%. Yeah, he knows that if he throws a pick, his defense is going to get them the ball back and they're going to get to go again. And he's he's obviously pretty good at flushing the toilet and just moving on to the next yeah. series because he's <laughs> – He's come back from terrible starts. Like, there's probably like more bad starts than good starts in the past two seasons, but they still are winning like eighty percent of their games. <laughs> yeah, uh, he did have four touchdown passes. Uh, and Brady Oliveira, he continues to look like a monster this year. Once they get him going, it's like. You're not going to stop him. He had 18 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown, over six and a half yards a carry. The guy, once he starts rolling, the the defense is in trouble, and they're not going to be able to, to to stop him here. If you look at halftime here, like, and and that's the thing that the Bombers do so well, and Zach does so well. Like you said, the mistakes, and it's always how they respond. Like they just <laughs> they'll come down with another drive and say, "Guess what? We're not going away." And uh, th- they'll make up for their mistakes. And if you do make mistakes, they'll make you pay for for those mistakes. Cody Fajardo, th- this was probably his roughest game of the year: fourteen to twenty-five, one hundred and thirty-seven yards, one interception. But the the running game continues to be non-existent for them. William Standback, eight carries for thirty-two yards. Austin Mack, the leading receiver, five catches uh, on seven targets for fifty-five yards. That was about the offense. The Cody Fajardo was sacked twice. He also lost a fumble. It, it was really just a mess on offense for the Alouettes, and they had one four in a row going into this game. I, I know Winnipeg's always a tough assignment, but that win streak comes to an end, and the Bombers hit them with a very balanced attack. Uh, because Nick Dembski also had himself 87 yards receiving. Dalton Schoen had two touchdowns. Kenny Lawler had 65 yards and a touchdown. They like they make these mistakes, but how are you going to stop them the next time they get out there? That's the big question, right? Yeah, it's, it's, you, you don't know what to do. <laughs> you have to... <laughs> You have to be up on them like forty to nothing and at halftime if you want to still win the game. Like yeah, yeah. Like, but they're—it's just they're very Jekyll and Hyde, but they're way more 
hide than Jekyll because they yeah. they just know how to act. Like they just yeah. it's so bizarre. This this season is just so bizarre. Well, and it's, and great. I, <laughs> it's great entertainment. Like that Friday nighter in Toronto. That's why we love CFL football, you know. The the Argos beat the Stampeders 39-31, but the Argos are another team. It's the way they respond as well. Uh, it was 24-21 Toronto at halftime. Jake Mayer played fantastic, I thought. I mean, you would have liked the completion percentage to be better, but he didn't turn the ball over. Uh, 25 of 42 for 387 yards and four touchdowns. That's it right there, though. He Imagine if he wasn't one-hopping it to the receivers half the time. Like, he could have had 600 yards. Like, <laughs> like he could have. But that's just, he's not, like, he had a great game, but he's not a great quarterback. And he's not on a good Team. Because good teams win. Thank you. Hey, look, I'll be honest. It's been a while since I've seen somebody argue that a three and nine team is a good team. But, yeah. <laughs> I, but like I said, though, they've got talent and they do have the ability great, to great receivers to put it together. A uh, three and eight. I guess I should correct myself. Uh, after this loss, but uh, not turning the ball over was big for them, but they did have more opportunities. This was a very winnable game for the Stamps. Uh, Chad Kelly threw two interceptions. Um, They really could have won this game, but when you give up a punt return, which Javon Leak took one to the house, 86 yards in the fourth quarter, which was the game-winning score at the end of the day when Toronto is turning the ball over, Calgary not really able to capitalize on those opportunities, and then Toronto takes that punt return to the house. By the way, Javon Leak, four punt returns for a touchdown this season. That is an Argonauts record, and he's still got Half the season to go, basically. Yeah, yeah, half the season to go. So that special teams unit in Toronto is doing very well. At the same time, it seems like Calgary's given up a few returns this season. So that that's a bit uncharacteristic for a Stampeder team. Yeah, but and even in the game, too, look at in what happened at the end of the second half. Calgary has a drive. They get a score, and you think, oh, cool, they're going to have the momentum going into halftime. Nah, nah. Chad Kelly is like, no, we're scoring a touchdown here. Like he, You're right. he made them pay every single time. Is like matching their scores, matching their scores, and then yeah, that punt return just sealed the deal at the end. You're right. I think that was the uh, the end of the first half there. Yeah, end uh, of the first half. Yeah. They they hit Reggie Bagleton for a bit. Actually, Reggie Bagleton got hit a lot in this game. Let's be real. He had over 200 yards in this one. It was an incredible performance from Reggie Bagleton. Um, But we see that uh, Calgary gave the ball to Toronto uh, after scoring a touchdown. Uh, Toronto gets the ball (laughs) with 54 seconds left. They hit Devontae Coxey for a 67-yard touchdown. 
Argos back into the lead. And when those plays are given up going into the room, that is just right to the heart. Especially when you're the team on the road and the and the the home team gets that big score going in, right? Because yeah. you're the team on the if you if you go into the to the locker room after that Bagleton touchdown, you're riding high. I believe Calgary was getting the ball back to start the second half too, so that could have been the, well. And they started the second half with a touchdown again. The stance, exactly, so they yeah. were moving so the ball. How, yeah, yeah, it's that that's that 14 point swing you can get at the the end of the half there, but. Toronto just, they were like, hold my beer, and they, yeah. they got that touchdown back. Yeah, because a few drives later, I think that was the flea flicker. Uh, yes. A.J. Olette passes that. it back to Chad Kelly, 54 yards. Devaris Daniels wide open, touchdown Toronto. It's, it's almost like Calgary, they just couldn't make enough plays. They didn't turn the ball over on offense. But there were a few opportunities that Toronto gave them, and they couldn't quite make enough plays. But any other team, Calgary maybe wins that game. This Toronto team, they're special, man. And and I don't even really mean by just the, the pure talent they have. I'm just struck by how much they look like a team. Like... <laughs> It looked like they had special handshakes for the athletic therapist on the staff. (laughs) Like last year, they're fighting each other on the sidelines, and I realized they won the Grey Cup, but that's not this Argos team. Yeah, no, I think they said on commentary that like every player has a different handshake with every other player. You love that because teams that play together win together, right? And they they won the Grey Cup and. They're, they've got to be the favorite to win right now, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they it have looks like to, a rematch ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And they, by all accounts, unless, you know, barring injury or a total collapse, Chad Kelly is pretty close to a lock for MOP right now, I'd say. And they're just all cylinders. And, and the only thing that could bite them is this whole. BS that they've already had their three buys. That's that's going to be tough for them to finish out the season. Well, and that's a good point because that kind of worked in uh, Calgary's favor in this game. Some injuries in the back end of the defense, including Deshaun Amos, which was really tough uh, for yeah. the Argos to adjust to that injury. Haggerty gets in there and he's playing safety. And he was he was struggling at times, yep. and then he got hurt. So, and they talked about it at halftime how they didn't dress the extra DB; they went with the extra uh, D lineman, and it's all about philosophy. And sometimes bad luck <laughs> happens where all of a sudden that depth in the secondary is getting tested, and the stamps were taking advantage of that. And there were a few opportunities. Even Reggie Bagleton did have a drop. Uh, a pretty pretty costly one. And there were a few drops where uh, uh, Jake Mayer didn't get the help that he needed uh, from that receiving core. And they did control the clock. They did have the time of possession, but they did not have the rushing attack they needed. Uh, they ended up having 59 yards rushing on 14 attempts between Levante Bellamy and Diedrich Mills. 
Toronto is a little bit more balanced. Uh, 361 yards for Chad Kelly, but A.J. Oled had 82 yards. Andrew Harris added another 25. So they were just a little bit more balanced that way. And when Calgary's offense was picking up the slack, they needed the defense and the special teams to do it as well. But giving up that costly return, those are daggers. It happens uh, throughout this season. And if you're going to get special teams scoring touchdowns and you're going to get the offense playing like they did, it's going to be tough to beat Toronto. And as the game went on, the secondary, the issues happening back there, the front of the Argos defense turned it on. And uh, it was tough for the Stamps to overcome that. Jake Mayer did end up getting sacked three times in the game. Chad Kelly, uh, no sacks, but I guess they had him tackled for a loss, uh, I guess, uh, twice. Or maybe he was just a TL, whatever that means, but not a sack. (laughs) But uh, the Stamps could have won. They were close. So yeah, kudos, so, yeah. kudos to them for making a game out of it. Like they they did look better than any of us other than Stamps fans would have thought. Like they did actually make a game out of it. And and if I recall correctly last week on the pod, that's what I said I wanted. I, I said yeah. I wanted it to be a good game. And it was. So I'm glad it was. It, it might have been the most entertaining game of the week. DeMonte Coxey back into the lineup, one hundred and two yards on three catches. Devaris had 77 yards and a touchdown. Andrew Harris had a receiving touchdown. I just, I got to say, I love watching BMO games. The grass stains on the uniforms. Like, I don't know. I just love CFL football there. And just big picture, that looked like a special game in Toronto. And it looked to me, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself, almost like it could be a, turning point for the team as far as support in the stands goes. And I think there's been a real grassroots movement in Toronto. We can talk about and harp on the marketing all we want, but I see so many fans on social media in Toronto taking apart taking it upon themselves to bring people to the game. And I know this one, it came with the admission to the CNE, but almost 18,000 people there. I just did a quick glance. That's the biggest regular season crowd since 2018. Yeah. That's good news. Whichever way you look at it, they sounded great. They were loud. It looked great with the fair in the background. I think this is good times for the Argos right now. Yeah, and the crowd shots were awesome. It looked like young people because that's what oh, you yeah. need in Toronto. Yeah. You need the young people there. And and if, even if it was just people, oh, well, let's just get into the CNE for cheap. Yeah. And they got a hell of a football game. And so hopefully they're like, hey, let's plop down 30 bucks and go see the next one because – Toronto has a good team, a great team. Yeah. They like <laughs> if the fans get to go out there and if they can get eighteen to twenty every game, man, that'd be so good. That place is loud. It For eighteen thousand people, it is loud. People just banging on those metal seats they like I haven't crazy. been there yet. I can't wait. Like that's definitely like one of the I need to get to that stadium soon because it looks electric in there. 
I was only there for the Grey Cup in 2016, but uh, to be able to go there on a regular basis, I think would be really, really cool. If we, if we look ahead, the Argos schedule, they're in Hamilton, obviously, for Labor Day. And then uh, Montreal's in town on uh, September 9th. We actually got a triple header that day. Argos, Owls, uh, Banjo Bowl, and then uh, Stamps and uh, Elks all happening that day. So a long day of uh, football going on, but I'm excited to see what they'll get out there at BMO for that one, an afternoon one. It's it's building that momentum, right? And this Argos team, so many times in the past, the Argos have won the Great Cup by being like a 500 team, and then the next year just fall apart. <laughs> Yeah. They're building that consistency right now, and if they can lock that Chad Kelly in, maybe teach him how to do a better uh, interview. <laughs> Although he yeah. says go Argos, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll leave it alone, but yeah. <laughs> Get him a PR guy who can tell him what to say, but yeah. <laughs> I, I hope they can lock him down. Like, obviously, he obviously wants to go back to yeah, the NFL. Yeah. But, like, he, the way he's playing is great for the league. Another a young quarter, yeah. young stud quarterback. That's what we need. We need elite quarterbacks because we don't have very many. So, hopefully, something can work out there because this is, it's great seeing Toronto actually build something. Their coaching staff is really good. It's another one of those circumstances where, like, <laughs> former quarterback who didn't quite get it on the field there, a backup quarterback yeah. that takes the ring and is just killing it as a head coach. I, he's doing great. I guess I, I didn't say Reggie Bagleton's final stat line, nine catches on 13 targets, 203 yards, two touchdowns. What a beast Reggie is. Luther Hakanavanu had an 18-yard touchdown. That was his only catch on the day. Mark and Michelle, 82 yards and four catches and a touchdown for the Stampeders. Hey, their offense moved the ball. It just <laughs> wasn't enough to keep up with uh, those high-flying Toronto Argonauts. Now, <laughs> I think this was the biggest write-off of the week. I think everyone had Hamilton going into BC and losing. After yep. the past few weeks for the Ticats, I think people have written them off. But now, where are we? Are the BC Lions average? Are the Ticats going into Labor Day with some hope? Chad Kelly made some mistakes against the Stamps. Could the Ticats force those same mistakes and make a game out of this? I, I, I'm blown away by what we saw from the BC Lions and mostly, and I talked to some people in Edmonton, that people were talking about this. Like, is the Lions defense average? Like, they got bullied on both sides of the line of scrimmage. That's really the... That's what decided the game here. And you saw it early on. The Lions going for it on third and short. Ted Laurent blowing up the whole play. And look, Dylan wins in there now. That guy looks like a madman. That's not a guy I would want to line up against. No. <laughs> but the Ticats D-line beat up 
the Lions offensive line, and that was really the difference here. Yeah, they they gave space for Butler just to ram it down their throat. Well, how uh, many times have we seen teams been able to run for nothing against the Lions defense as well? Yeah, it's it's it was just like a bizarre, it was like the game was in the upside down. Like it just it, it was just not what anyone expected. But again, great for the league, great for the CFL, great for the fans to get that upset and get the impressions up on X and people talking about it. Yeah. But BC's line, th- their defense is not bad. They, I know it's Edmonton, but they they shut out Edmonton twice this year. Like they. They, they're not a bad defense, but something happened, and I don't know what it was. Because, but well, we do know what it was. It was Butler. He was obviously playing with a chip on his shoulder. Didn't get re-signed, and I know he told everyone that that wasn't the case, but obviously it was the case. You know, you're you're always going to do that when you get that first game back, your former team. But he he put his his hard hat on and he went to work. Like it was it was amazing to see. Well, I, I guess that should be said because the the last touchdown of the game, it's something you don't see very often, an onside kick, kind of yeah. a trick kick, getting returned yeah. for TD. Like, when does that happen? The thing is, it, it doesn't happen, but you, think, you would think that it should happen a lot more yeah. often because so often, I guess, everyone's just worried about getting that ball and securing it, but, like, there's got to be like lanes open wide. If you can just run and catch it and just get like that happened, like that was, that was amazing. Like, so, I mean, Taylor Powell to me looks like he's improving. He didn't turn the ball over. He was 18 to 23, 222 yards and a touchdown. And I think with how well the BC Lions defense has been performing, you would take that any day of the week, especially at home in Vancouver where they've been so, so dominant. But then you add James Butler into the mix. 118 yards on 21 carries. He did have a rushing touchdown. He added 36 yards receiving and a receiving touchdown. I like when they're chirping the fans as if the fans made the decision not Mm -hmm. to bring him back to uh, the orange and black attack. Yeah, well, and and the Lions, you know what they actually looked like? They looked like the Bombers from like two or three years ago. Like, like it was like a Matt Nichols game manager game manager type quarterback, and Butler was running and catching like Andrew Harris. Like it just it just seemed like that's kind of the way they got it done. And if that's a that's a recipe that they can that Scott Milanovich can keep using, then nothing but good things for the for them because they're still in it. Like as, as bad as they've been, they could still be in it. If they could somehow <laughs> shock the Argos this week and they could, like, yeah, because Labor Day, it's like its own bubble. You you don't, sometimes yeah. there's a Labor Day magic in Hamilton. It used to be mm-hmm. in Saskatchewan, not so much <laughs> at, the, at the new stadium, Taylor field for sure. Oh, McMahon yeah. stadium has the magic. Yeah. <laughs> But and then you look at the Alouette schedule here. They're running the gauntlet. They're playing BC. Then they've got back to back with Toronto. 
Although it's not really easy for Hamilton either. <laughs> Although they did beat BC, Hamilton has Toronto, and then they've got Ottawa, and then they've got Winnipeg, and they've got Toronto again. So not the easiest stretch for either team. We're going to see what both teams are made of by the end of September and kind of start to see where those playoff chips are clearly going to lie. There was a couple, I thought, very key moments in this game. Early in the game, Terry Williams fumbles the ball. And I don't know if you caught this. The official didn't rule it as recovered by either team, so they couldn't review the play, which I found just kind of a bizarre thing. Like, it's clearly a fumble. So, and that's an official on, or an error on the official's part. Kind of got to figure out who the ball belongs to and then go back to see if it was a fumble, right? Yes, but it's because they have video replay and you can see what happens. So they can decide they want to jump in and fix any other play that they want to fix. So fix this play that wasn't a fumble and give the possession to the team that recovered it. Like I've always kind of hated that rule where it's like you have to have automatic possession of a fumble because you can just keep playing the tape. I know you're not going to give, like, if somebody picks it up 10 seconds later and runs a touchdown, you're not going to give the touchdown, but you can give them the ball where they picked it up. Yeah. Like, it just, it just makes sense. Stop getting in your way. Like, just rule the games like they're supposed to. to yeah, it's one of those things where it's a rule, but it's a stupid rule. <laughs> yeah, why? Just because it's a rule doesn't mean it should be a rule. Yeah, yeah. Now, another key moment was about seven minutes left in the game. It's uh, third and 10 on the Hamilton 47. BC goes for it, picked off by Jameer Thurman. Pretty good field position for the Ticats to kick the field goal. And now they're up 17 instead of 14, which just makes it a lot harder for the Lions for any comeback attempt in that game. But the, the BC Lions offense... I thought early in the year they had a little bit of success running the ball. That's kind of gone. Uh, Taquan Mizell, he had over five yards of carry, but he only had nine carries. He only had 49 yards rushing, and they struggle on short yardage. They were getting bullied up front by the Ticats, and maybe that absence of Dominic Rimes is kind of hurting the offense a little bit. Respect to the Lions receiving core. Keon Hatcher had 107 yards on seven catches and a touchdown. Alexander Hollins had a couple beauty catches as well, 76 yards for him. But the absence of uh, number 19 in the Lions receiving core seems to be hurting them a little bit. Oh, yeah, because when he's out there, you know if it's if it's zone or, or I mean, if it's man, he's getting double covered. Right. So he's, he's opening that up for somebody else, but yeah, I don't know because yeah, like you said, Mizell, he, he had a couple of games where he was going off yeah. and he was, he was cheap on fantasy and you yeah. took him and you got yeah. points. Right. And, but yeah, it's just there, something's happening in the trenches, the, the O-line and the D-line, the last couple of games, something's been happening because, 
they gave up what was it five sacks to Saskatchewan? Like they, yeah, they. I don't know what's happening there. I, Parker, he had a terrible game against Saskatchewan, uh, but Perkins, yeah, Perkins, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, he he had a bad game, but uh, they got to figure it out because the trenches is where you win football games, and it, if something miraculous can happen and the Riders can get a couple wins here against the Bombers. Second place is wide open. It totally is. It totally is. Like, well, let's if the Riders sweep Winnipeg, first is in the Come on. Let's not get too carried away. <laughs> but remember, Neely said that since since the Red Blacks lost tonight, the Bombers can clinch playoffs with a win on Labor Day, right? That's that's what he said. And that's that's early. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, very early for the Bombers, but also doesn't really surprise me. <laughs> no. At the same time, uh, let's go to that last game of the week where it happened. The streak in Edmonton is over. The longest home losing streak in North American pro sports. The Elks beating the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, there was a chance at a crumbback at the end of this game, and I, some fans were holding their breath. I was feeling probably more confident than the Edmonton fans. I'm like, ah, they got this one. But <laughs> at the same time, when I saw that Elks defense all trying to get air into their lungs, I thought if Ottawa gets this ball back and this two-point conversion – Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's good at those late game heroics. He is. But, uh, he is. I'm sure uh, a couple of times. Seventeen five for the Elks at halftime. I, I know after the first quarter it was one nothing. Uh, Ottawa here still for the Elks. It's that uh, that rush defense like Ottawa. Devontae Williams had seven yards a carry, uh, 84 yards on uh, 12 carries. So I think that was a little bit worrisome. But Trey Ford, man, perfect quarterback efficiency. Now, I only, I know he only had 18 pass attempts, but 15 completions, 317 yards, a touchdown, a rushing touchdown, 74 yards. The kid from Waterloo, I tell you what, man, what a joy to be in the stands to watch him play. I don't know how it looked on TV, but watching it live, he's playing great football. And the, I mean, the thing is, he's not giving the ball away and making these crazy mistakes. Some of the throws are a little bit off target, but his receivers are talented enough to, to make the play, right? Yeah, like, luckily, like, I went to Barbie tonight with my wife and my niece, and so I had the game recorded, but apparently there's a weather delay. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) apparently there was a weather delay on the PGA because, like, I my recording of the game didn't start until Trey Ford got that first touchdown, so I didn't see any of that. (laughs) But it was 7-1 to at that point, so I didn't really miss much. But, Yeah. yeah, no, Trey Ford reminds me of Vernon Adams, sometimes where he just, you know, he can squeak his way out, kind of like Nathan Rourke too, actually. Uh, yeah. But, like, he, just, he keeps the play going, and then his receivers are getting open for him. And then that catch by Eugene, holy 
crap like that. <laughs> that's that's why you never quit on a play, right? He never quit on a play, and he got huge touchdown there. I like that. that, that uh, cool he saved my actually that. This game saved my fantasy week. I had Trey as my captain. I had uh, Geno Lewis. It was the the two Montreal players. I had Walter Fletcher and I had Chandler Worthy in there. They got a combined five points. But uh, Keon Hatcher, Geno Lewis, Trey Ford, Brady Oliveira, I ended up with 130 points or something like that. So I did pretty good. Um, yeah. But Trey is just a joy to mm-hmm to watch and I it's another big picture observation. I don't know what Commonwealth Stadium sounded like on TV, but at the end of the game there, that is the loudest I've heard that stadium in a long long time. They haven't won a home game since 2019. 20, 22 games maybe long. <laughs> But yeah, no, it, it came across good. Yeah, you could tell the crowd was fired up. They was finally getting that monkey off their back. And as Ryder fans, how good is it that it wasn't the Riders that were the ones? <laughs> because I think we all kind of thought that's what was going to happen. Just like PTSD as being a Ryder yeah. fan. But uh, no, it's it's great. Like finally get this get this out of the way, and now we can look at maybe seeing if they can. Do some damage against Calgary in these next two games. They're only two wins away from matching 2022's win total. And, man, I... It's a shame that Trey Ford wasn't such a good practice quarterback earlier in the year. (laughs) Shame for Elks fans, let's say that. I saw tears in eyes. I felt... uh, I felt chills standing up for the team in victory formation, that was really, really cool. To Edmonton fans, the ones that have put up with all this crap mm-hmm. for so, so long, you know, being made fun of for, like, let's face it, you're made fun of for going to these games sometimes. Why do you support that team? And then to come together and have that win, even the players were feeling it on the field, throwing oh. the Gatorade bottles in the air. And sp- the Jones got the Gatorade shower. Like, what a what yeah. a cool like. When's the last time an August game has felt that emotional? <laughs> oh yeah, oh it's it's. I'm just I'm just so happy for the Elks fans because. Yeah, like you said, they've they've been through a lot, and it, it's pretty sad when it gets to a point where you feel sorry for <laughs> the elk organization after all the winning that they've done. But they, I think they they paid their fair share of losses now. But again, like, is this ball rolling? Like Calgary's got this unstoppable Trey Ford coming into a big bad stadium uh, Labor Day. Let's let's see a fifty to fifty five shootout. Let's go. Like <laughs> let's do it. I I'm in. If 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 Bagleton and 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 the receivers can catch those balls that Mayor's throwing, I, I might be inclined to take the over for this game coming up and yeah. I, I wouldn't have said that a couple weeks ago. Like Yeah. Let's, let's go. Now Dustin Crum, he's not running as much as he was before. Um, he's kind of, but you know, he didn't look bad either. It's just they they didn't have the explosive plays that Edmonton had. 
Uh, yeah. 17 to 26, 172 yards for uh, for Dustin Crum. He, he was only sacked the once, which is uh, kind of a positive. And as the game wore on, it's like Edmonton needs to get pressure on him. And then I think they just got worn out. Guys were cramping up, legitimate or not. And uh, Ottawa had a pretty impressive drive to get them within a two-point conversion away from making it a one-score game with that uh, two-point conversion. But uh, Shaq Evans had 51 yards receiving. He was the leader for the uh, Red Blacks, including a pretty impressive 35-yarder that uh, (laughs) him coming down with was a pretty good catch for Shaq. Uh, Jalen Acklin had 44 yards himself, but for the most part, uh, the Elks able to limit the damage from the Red Blacks offense. And again, the it's the Red Blacks pass defense that's really let them down these last uh, few games. You brought up the Geno Lewis 66-yard touchdown, and... <laughs> When you try to tackle 87 high, it ain't going to happen. The DB, <laughs> get off of me. And he takes yeah. it to the house. You know, I love Gino. He's on my fantasy team. I'm sitting in the stands. Come on, 87, 87. My wife even gave me the cowbell. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> and he don't care about those chip balls. He's still throwing them in the, in the crowd. Well, that's what that's. Did he forget? Was he that excited? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> hey, hey, the three hundred thousand dollar man. That five hundred bucks isn't much money to uh, old Gino. So, oh, <laughs> uh, he, he scores some touchdown. I just want to see like a special teamer, you know. And no offense, but five. If I had to pay 500 bucks, I'd be pretty rattled. I would hope that the team would help them out. <laughs> they got to do something because, like, that's taking away from an element for the crowd, right? I think like, so. There's a lot of guys who, like, like Dembski, he's another guy who likes throwing him in there, but he already said there's no chance. He's not He's not throwing away <laughs> that money. But, like, <laughs> there's got to be some way where they can have uh, the ball guy right there and just toss him a non-chipped ball or something. I don't know. Like, because it sucks that they can't even keep them. Like, it, what if what happens yeah, if somebody that's, gets I, I think that's sad, too. Yeah, like a five touchdown game or something, and or your first touchdown as a rookie. And if you're a rookie in the CFL, you're making like fifty grand Canadian. So like you're you're not going to be having five hundred dollars to keep that ball, and that's that's kind of I, I get what they're trying to do with the chip balls, I and know, hopefully once we see the data and the graphs and the it'll be if cool. we can see how fast, yeah, it'll be cool. But like it's just. They have to be careful because you don't want to lose something awesome just to get something cool. Yeah, I, I love that idea. Being being able to catch a ball, like that's the ultimate, you know, uh, yeah. souvenir a fan could leave the game with. But like, a, yeah. like if you're Nick Dembski and you've got the opportunity, he could have a three touchdown game. Uh, <laughs> and then there goes bucks. your game cash. You kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that's a lot of cash. <laughs> <laughs> and when those endorphins are going high when you score a touchdown, I don't know if you can think like, oh, no, don't do it. <laughs> like <laughs> Maybe the playoff money give you some extra. Yeah, but again, you're throwing away that extra 
Man, that's a you know a PlayStation PlayStation Five or something. <laughs> it's not it's not like high on the list of things that the CFL really needs to worry about, but let's it's something. It yeah. could be something. Kevin Brown, he had fourteen carries for sixty eight yards. Are you kidding me? Not nice. <laughs> 4.9 yards to carry there. They gave Shannon Brooks uh, the ball a little bit more. He had four for 16. <laughs> the thing that, that that sequence at the end of the game, about four minutes left in the game, I don't know what was going on. They kept adding time to the clock, taking time away from the like. It's like they're extending this streak for the Elks and like the fans. Like the tension was just, <laughs> just, just rising. So this yeah. was four minutes left in the game. They go to kick a thirty-seven yard field goal, but there ended up being three penalties on the play. Edmonton gets pushed back <laughs> because of the penalties. They punt oh. the ball. There ends up being a roughing the kicker. <laughs> so th- this whole situation ended up eating like two or three minutes off the clock uh, yeah. at the end of the day. They end up rushing for seven yards, and they kick a field goal anyway. But I don't know how that turned out on TV. In the stands, it's like, what is happening, guys? Yeah, well, it, it's like last week at the at the the Ryder game when they were reviewing that Picton catch. Yeah, they didn't come on the PA and say what they were doing, oh. and so we were all just pissed because all the refs were over on BC's side, and they were like, "It's like, no, you don't have a challenge. What's going on?" But. Mm-hmm. It, it's they, yeah. They just need to make sure they let fans know what's going on, so the booze don't yeah. take over, and it just looks terrible on TV. <laughs> so eh, Ottawa gets the ball at their fifty uh, after an illegal kick. After that whole situation, and then I thought the crumbback might have been on. Like I was like, oh no! So they end up scoring a touchdown, but there was a big, uh, a big stop there. Uh, on the two point conversion and then and then the rest was history but th- this is really just kind of a a big picture thing the fact that the streak is over <laughs> that they've got that whole monkey off their back the first win at home as the Edmonton Elks and I'm sure Elks fans will tell you we want less than 13 penalties for 124 yards but they're happy with the almost 36 minutes of uh, possession, uh, almost 500 yards of net offense, the balanced attack, over 300 passing, over 150 rushing. What a fun, fun game, at least it was to attend. Uh, they had yeah. three knockdowns, a forced fumble, like, and then when the defense really needed to make the plays, they were making plays. Niles Morgan had nine tackles, including a sack. So good for those Elks. And I don't know if really the, the television catch caught much of the celebration. They even had a graphic. The streak is over. (laughs) I thought they'd show Paul Heyman, but uh, I I didn't see him uh, show up on the screen, but 
good for them to to wrap this thing up. And, and look, we've talked about you know the lack of elite quarterbacks in the CFL. I don't think Crum was bad, um, but Crum Ford Powell went into BC Place and won a game. Chad Kelly, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is almost the new era. You know, we had the Calvillo and the Ray, and then we had the Riley and the Mitchell. Are we on to the Ford and the Powell or in the, and the Crum and the Kelly, you know? Uh, maybe give these guys another year and these guys will be consistently making plays like this, you know? Yeah, no, we, we, we need the, we need that young crop to come in. So I'm, I'm hopeful. Like, yeah, we're not finding veteran quarterbacks. So we need to, these young guys need to ball out and then nothing but good things. You know, I don't know about you. I I feel like this has been the most exciting few weeks of CFL since the, the, the pandemic, the lost season. Uh, sure. 2021, even last year, there were some grinding games out there. I feel like this year has been fun. I, I yeah, really no, believe I, that. I think this, I was thinking it last week, like the CFL is back because like before the pandemic, we were that exciting, you know, yep. shootout games, but also close defensive games. But you kind of see other than the top two teams, like anyone could beat anyone. And now we're back to that. And, it's it's just so fun to watch because like look at like on Saturday night we all just thought we were gonna see a massacre but we saw a massacre <laughs> of a different kind that we were not expecting and so more of that uh, more of that please yeah I I told even Gavin Cobb are you kidding me a sixty eight yard reception Gavin what are you doing to us. Come on. <laughs> Who had Gavin Cobb with the 68-yard reception from uh, from Trey Ford? Uh, w- what a blast to watch. I really hope I start seeing more number two jerseys in the stands. I told my wife that's what she's getting for Christmas, Trey Ford jersey. <laughs> I might buy myself an 87. I think I would look good in a, in a Geno Lewis. D- do you want to talk about your fantasy lineup or no? Uh, yeah, we can. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to know if it was a bad or a good week. <laughs> uh, I haven't even checked yet. I I had Ford, I'm pretty sure. So I'm uh, 133rd yeah. in the country overall after 12 weeks. Uh, 135.5 points. I'm doing okay. That was this week I had 135.5. Giving Trey Ford the captaincy obviously helped. 58.8 points. <laughs> For him, uh, Brady Oliveira, 25 and a half. Gino Lewis, 20.2. Keon Hatcher, 23.7. But what hurt me was Walter Fletcher, 2.8 points. I really thought he would get involved in the receiving game, maybe with Montreal. Uh, Chandler yeah. Worthy, he started on offense, didn't get the ball much, 2.5 points. And the Elks defense only got me two points. But uh, yeah. the the big guns, they came out to play for me and saved my week for sure. Yeah, no, I had 101.2 points. So that's, hey. for me, that's yeah. pretty good. Uh, I'm like 2037th. So. Hey, when you can get uh, to 100, it's always a good week. I yeah, think. But uh, I'm 41st in the CFL Vans fight cancer. So. I'm better than Joe. 
Hey, that's all you can be better than Joe. Should I call the podcast that? I don't know. He might not let that get to his head. <laughs> better hopefully, than Joe. That's a good name. Better than Joe. Hopefully, well, hopefully he sticks around sixty-nine because I'd rather be sixty-nine than forty-one. <laughs> I'm third in that league, man. I'm third. I'm fighting. I'm fighting. We'll see. It's been too much He's fun. Smart. I, like everybody's complaining about the fantasy game. I'm just here to have fun, man. Like, come on. Uh, and, yeah, and we're and we're gonna set a full lineup because that's what real people do. It weeds out the cheaters, so I, I'm good with that too. <laughs> hey, thanks for staying up late, man. You're welcome. Coming up next, our one hour review on Barbie because I went to see mm-hmm. it on Saturday as well. <laughs> hey, guess what, Calgary? You're not Kenneth. Whoa. Sorry. There's the name of the podcast. (laughs) You can rate, review, and subscribe to To It Out on your favorite podcatcher and like, comment on YouTube. And hey, you can support the show on Patreon as well. If you're in the touchdown tier, you get the episodes sooner than anyone else. Or you can join the $2 tier and just... uh, Support us with your credit card and forget that it's even there. And I appreciate that too. <laughs> yeah, I already forgot. <laughs> we will, I guess, you and me, uh, you're almost a full time guy. You okay with that, buddy? I'm okay with it. I don't think Darren is, but I am. Three in a row. Let's go. <laughs> I will talk to you Wednesday, man, to get ready for Labor Day. Here we go. It is here, baby. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.